back, everybody, to Edge of the Rabbit Hole. I'm author and researcher Mike Ricksecker. With me, as always, my co-hostess, Victoria Monday. And down in the chat room, Alina, moderating the chat, taking your questions. We have a fantastic show coming up for you tonight. The paranormal couple is with us in the house. Satori Hawes and Cody Despians. Uh, you probably recognize them uh, from Ghost Nation. They've been on a uh, on several episodes there. Of course, Satori is known for, uh, well, I mean, she's Jason Hawes' daughter, so everybody knows Jason, uh, which is absolutely fantastic. And uh, Cody is a fantastic paranormal investigator in his own right. So this is a real treat to have them both on Something I'm really interested in talking with them both about is the next generation of paranormal investigations. They are they're the new crowd coming in uh, when we are gone. <laughs> they're going to have to take over for all of us, which is great. You know that, and uh, you know you guys can probably comment on this because one of the things that I like to talk about is that. You know, we're, we're here during our time gaining all this knowledge. And I think that one of the things that we're supposed to do is pass it on to the next generation is, and hopefully the next generation picks up that mantle and keeps it going. So you guys are that next generation. So so tell us, what, what do we have to look forward to uh, from you guys when it comes to investigating the paranormal? Well, you know, I would love to see the new generation, at least my opinion, I would like to see the new generation uh, pay a lot more attention to actually uh, documenting as much as they can. I mean, unfortunately, we've seen this kind of turn, and I think it has to do with a lot of the, you know, the pop culture side of the paranormal, where uh, most of the newer generation is is thrill-seeking the paranormal uh, and not really um, diving in deep into research and and you know data logging and things like that. Uh, so at least with us, we really try to uh, push that side of things uh, because you know if this field is going to move forward at all from where it is right now, uh, we need to make sure that we're kind of all on the same page, uh, at least to a point. Uh, about documenting everything and recording everything, uh, because that, that seems to be something that not a lot of people are paying attention to right now. And a lot of people, especially the younger generations, and I think this has to do with social media and horror movies and things like that, are thinking that the paranormal is all negative, all bad. Everything's, you know, demonic, and, and there's always a bad side to it. Yes, there is. But we've kind of dedicated our time now because we've been conditioned to, you know, see both sides and to kind of, you know, really document this paranormal, the paranormal activity in general. And we, we've spent so much time trying to educate people that not everything is negative. And, and that's just what we've really spent our time on. And we hope the new generation kind of picks up on that, trying to find the real answers instead of becoming very skittish and scared of the paranormal. Yeah, that's great that you guys have you know, that sort of perspective, but you both have been in the field for quite a while, and uh, you make some very uh, fantastic points there. Uh, you know, pop culture, I, I think as much as it's helped people to open up and realize, okay, that people have had these experiences, you're right, a lot of people are going down, you know, it's more negative. Uh, I, I think in, in most cases, we're actually dealing with human spirits. We're, we're dealing with people that have passed away and are still lingering here on Earth. So, you know, with your with your research how do you handle that where you're at a location and you're dealing with somebody's grandmother uh, it can absolutely be uh, you know a very emotional and touchy subject for sure uh, because you know like you said you're dealing with somebody who was alive and you're most likely dealing with their family members in most cases um, if not their family members then somebody that once lived in the house or at the location at one point in time so the whole situation can be very uh, touchy, and you know, at least with Satori and myself, we definitely balance each other off when it comes to that that point of view. I mean, she's very uh, much the people person, while I'm more of the the technical one. He's saying uh, I talk a lot. <laughs> she does, and that's a good thing. That's a great thing. Um, so she she so she's really good at at approaching that type of situation, uh, and you know, respect is, is something that um, that you know. I think everybody should pay attention to when they're going into these types of locations. Uh, we've seen more provoking these days, uh, which is something that you know we just we just you know don't follow that route uh, because, like like we mentioned, that you know these were once people, and you know you always want to make a good first impression when you're meeting somebody new. So why would you yell at them, you know, the first time you're meeting them, which doesn't make sense. Uh, so we absolutely like to take a much much more sensitive, unbiased. Uh, 
you know, approach uh, with using common sense, of course. We've only dealt with maybe one or two cases where we've had to contact somebody in specific religious, you know, uh, organizations to, to bring into these homes, you know, depending on what these people believe in, because we have felt that it may be not even a demonic or inhuman spirit, but just something that isn't very nice, something that is kind of feeding off of negative energy in that environment. But most of the time, if there is something that we can get evidence to suggest that there is a haunting going on, it's just people. It really is just people or some sort of record of energy that just keeps passing through the house, like a residual haunting. Right, and we, we found that, um, I mean, we have to remember that we're the ones leaving the house at night and the, and the family has to live in the house uh, and stay right. there. Uh, so we found that, you know, just sitting down around the kitchen table and talking to them and ha just answering some questions like we're doing right now uh, really calms the situation down. And nine times out of ten, uh, that that kind of clears everything up as far as being scared goes, because, you know, usually if somebody is scared, they're scared of something that. Uh, they don't know the answer to. They're scared of the unknown. So as soon as you start putting some insight into uh, what they may be experiencing, it seems like it calms the situation down a lot. Uh, just telling them that, listen, Neil, this is your grandmother that passed away, and it may seem scary that you know a glass is you know trying to move or slide across the counter, uh, but she's trying to get your attention. She's probably been uh, trying to talk to you, and unfortunately, you haven't been able to hear her because uh, you know we found that it's hard for us to hear when spirits talking to us. Uh, so she's trying to do something else to try getting your attention. And it may seem scary, but in reality, it's just them trying to reach out. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I was in a, I'm sorry, Mac. Um, I was in a basement of a haunted abandoned hotel thingy. And you could tell that somebody was down there and I can't even imagine how many people have gone down there and said, can you make it go to the green light? Can you make it go to the red light? I mean, if I was a ghost, I would say, you know, and I would be right out of there. But we were joking and laughing and we were, you know, being goofy down there. And as we were laughing and joking, the little K2 meter started lighting up. I'm like, mm -hmm. well, this is actually a person, you know, why wouldn't they retain their sense of humor? So you're absolutely right. You know, just treat them like they're alive basically, but you know, without a body. But I agree. Yeah. And you had also made a great point within there that just because it's something that's negative, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's demonic. You know, there are people that were jerks in life and you deal with them when when they're in the afterlife as well so uh so what's your methodology uh you know do you do anything different as far as trying to determine who or what you know these hauntings may be so all right so let me let me tell you something strange. So, all right <laughs> we're going to dive down that rabbit hole uh, so uh so you know i've been doing this for about probably about 10 years now i started you know at an early age because i had an experience and, um, you know, I've always been interested ever since I had that experience. So I've been doing this for a while now. And, um, you know, I guess my, my results uh, while investigating were like most other investigators. You know, we always compare it to fishing in that pond with like two or three fish. And, you know, you only get a bite once in a while. And um, uh, that's the way it was uh, for a long time until I started uh, working with Satori. I was on the tap scene before Satori uh, decided that she wanted to join. And when she did join, uh, we of course started getting paired up together all the time. And not only us, but the other teammates around us on the tap team started noticing that when we would work together, uh, it seems like the results we would get would, would kind of heighten up a little bit. It seems like the activity would, would uh, you know, heighten up a bit, we'd get more results. Uh, footsteps and stuff like that, uh, which was strange because th this is something I had never experienced before. So we started uh, experimenting more, more with it. And, you know, of course, we started dating and, and spending a lot more time together. And, you know, I, in my opinion, I think, um, you know, we've all, we've all experienced on investigations. Um, I think that the living people that you're with can implement your results big time. I mean, I think everybody's living energy uh, has a, a, a big effect on the amount of results you get. And likewise, I think when certain energies meet, I think uh, sometimes it's like flipping on that light switch and it, the light shines just a little bit brighter and kind of draws this stuff in. So the more we experimented with this stuff and really worked together. We, we, we started holding hands and, and that felt like that it, it really uh, brought things up. And, and it's definitely something you have to experience in person, uh, but it's definitely uh, been a technique that we've used and it seems like it really helps. Uh, I mean, Satori's definitely opened me, up, opened me up more to the metaphysical side of the paranormal and stuff like that. 
And I think that um, maybe that's something uh, people should be paying a lot more attention to, your own senses and, and just trying to use yourself and, and uh, really put yourself out there when you're, when you're investigating this type of thing. You're the best tool in the paranormal toolkit. You really are. Your senses are the best tool in the toolkit. Yeah, and I love that because that's something that I always say whenever I'm on, you know, shows like this, and I'm sitting in your seat. Is that you know your your own body is is your best tool? And then the question always comes: on, No, no, no. Well, what what physical tools? Like <laughs> your physical body. So that's great that that you guys bring that up, and that um, even at your young age, you already have that that insight. And I, I find it interesting that so. You guys, if you were to investigate separately, you would have different experiences possibly than if you're actually together? Uh, yes. yes. We, we barely got anything apart, but when we're together, it's just for some reason. It's we, We've tested this with different people in different environments, and it seems like whenever we are together and only together, that's when the activity kind of really starts to act up. And again, it's like a battery for some reason. If multiple people, it's just like if you were investigating with someone and you get the most activity you've ever gotten in your entire life, and it just keeps consistently happening. So I don't know how it works but it does. <laughs> yeah, I, no idea how it works. And of course, we've hosted um, some public investigations, you know, where people come in and usually it's the benefit of historical society or something like that. And we found that, you know, it depends on the group of people that we have that night, that uh, sometimes the activity can be either uh, more, uh, you know, prevalent in, in the room, in the location. Um, and then if we get another group in the next week, and it kind of seems off. I mean, if you ever walked, um, well, how about this? You're in your house and you, you know you think the phone's going to ring, and then all of a sudden it rings, and you're like, "Wow, I knew that was going to ring. I knew that was going to happen." Um, you kind of have that feeling, that knowing that something was going on, the intuition. Um, and I think it's the same way uh, with with living people. I mean, that whole energy, that whole vibe of a room can affect the results you get. And I think uh, you know when certain certain people meet, it can just make that energy uh turn that light switch on you know that's it exactly because it's all about the vibration um and like you said two people get together and they have like they're in sync they vibe together their energy is raised up higher um mm -hmm. why wouldn't that attract somebody I'm, seriously when i'm a ghost you know, <laughs> i'm not gonna be hanging around these these you know Oh, I can't think of anything nice to say. Hold on. Um, pay, pay, pay to play people who want to provoke. And, you know, because I don't think the paranormal is there for our fun. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a reason why they're there. I mean, they need some validation and they need, you know, mm -hmm. recognition. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. <laughs> so we have a uh, good question down here from the chat room from Robert Hanna. Great. Do Satori and Cody think that shows uh, like giving people misconceptions on the paranormal, like everything is negative. So it's kind of in that same vein, but I guess from, from the pop culture side of it with, with a number of the different television shows, um, are there some misconceptions? Because there are a large variety of different shows out there that deal with the paranormal, but are some of them uh, giving some misconceptions about negativity that's out there? Yes, there are definitely some shows, some group, even just some paranormal groups in general that try to, you know, give me a hundred dollars and I'll get the spirit out of your house because it's a demon or, or uh, we're going into this home and I feel like a demon's going to attack me. Things like that. It's just kind of brainwashing people to believe that everything is negative and you need to, to get an exorcism as soon as possible because you may be dealing with something. And, and it's just, it's like in, I guess developing fear in everybody that doesn't understand the paranormal from like, I guess the outside looking in, it's just kind of like they dive in and yeah. all these paranormal groups are and, and sh certain shows and YouTube people and all that are just kind of jumping on that and saying, Hey, you should be afraid of everything. Well, yeah, well fear, fear ourselves for sure. Um, you know, it's at for least, their own personal gain, though. Right. It's, that's unfortunate too. And, you know, I mean, everybody does things differently. Everybody has their own way of doing things. Um, and, you know, we're not without bringing religion into this too much. I mean, everybody, uh, some investigators base their their practices on their religious views, mm -hmm. which is OK. And of course, a lot of religions um, think that, you know, anything involving the supernatural realm uh, is is negative. So, 
um, you know, we have to be respectful on that point. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's absolutely people that are out there, just like Satori said. They don't know anything about these religions. That's the majority. They don't know. They're not educated in these religions and how to go about this type of, type of situation. And right. they just kind of throw out their the fear factor of it all. Right. Oh, I agree. Uh, and as far as far as the television shows go, on that that sense, uh, like I said, everybody has their own way of doing things, of course. And um, you know, uh, I don't know if it's hypocritical that you know we're involved with a TV show, but I, I will state, uh, and you know, I'm not trying to speak for Satori, um, but I will state that any show that we've done, uh, of course, um, we we've agreed to do it because um, there's been um, you know no script or anything like that. Uh, we've been able to, uh, you know, given the green light to do what we do uh, best and do it our own way. And, um, you know, we're not trying to scare anybody. The results are what it is. If there's nothing there, there's nothing there. And, um, you know, it's just, it just is what it is. And, and, you know, we wouldn't agree to do a television show uh, if it was anything but that. I mean, we don't want anybody controlling ourselves, thankfully, with Ghost Nation. Uh, you know, Satori's dad was the one in charge of it all. I mean, he was the one who called the shots and, and was able to, um, you know, control it. Nobody was controlling us. So we just got to do our own thing. And, um, and I think that, I think that's, that's the way it should be done. Uh, but unfortunately there are some shows that, uh, that that's not the way it's done. Right. Right. And, you know, in the, in that same vein, and Satori, you've been around this your whole life. Cody, you said that you've been involved for 10 years. You've both been on television shows. Uh, how have you seen this evolve, you know, for the good or you know, or for the not so good uh, over all this time? Well, uh, it's definitely different than, <laughs> than what it started out uh, to be, for sure. Um, you know, when when this first started out, uh, as far as, you know, teams going into uh, locations on a regular, you know, basis, episodic basis, um, it's definitely changed. Um, the whole approach is, has changed uh, for the most part with, with some of the new shows coming out. Uh, and, you know, there is a lot more fear uh, that is put into uh, a good majority of the shows. And, you know, that's because, uh, you know, like I said, fear ourselves and people want to see that emotional aspect of, of, you know, people getting scared or, or, um, you know, uh, just, just emotional in general of, of, of drama and stuff like that. Um, more reality and, and, um, and, uh, less, uh, you know, digging into investigating and, and, you know, documenting everything and more of the that thrill-seeking aspect that I was mentioning earlier. You know, what I do like about this, though, is the fact that, you know, the paranormal has not been seen as something that's too much to talk about, too touchy of a topic since the, the, it kind of came into pop culture and, and media and stuff like that. Because I remember being young, and just seeing my dad go off to work and he was helping people. And this was in the early days of ghost hunters. I was very young. I kind of never knew anything else but the paranormal. And I was always open up, open to it. Um, I just saw him going to work and helping people. And I knew it was doing something to help them both psychologically, physically in their homes. It just made them feel better. Um, when the show started coming out and about and, and everybody started watching it, it, it did start move, like create a movement where people were like, I can talk about this in public now. If I'm experiencing something, I can tell someone about it and not fear that I'm being crazy because they're probably watching the same shows I am and now I don't feel so alone. That's what I like, the, the shows pushing out there in that sense. I do feel it has kind of turned into a fear factor though. Yeah, and, and I, I love that point because um, you know, I think that is something, I mean, people have a lot of different opinions about the shows, but I think that is something that the the television shows have really helped with is creating that conversa conversation and being out there for the public to view. And like you just said, for people to, to watch that and say, hey, there are other people that have had these same experiences. I'm not alone. I think the same thing, you know, a few years beforehand, before the shows really started coming out when, you know, the the World Wide Web started uh, becoming more more public. The same thing happened. People were finding, uh, you know, groups on different, uh, you know, forums and websites and things like that, realizing, hey, uh, we're not alone, uh, which, which is great. And um, I, I guess where I want to take that is, you know, the... You know this idea of helping people of uh the aspect of helping those that need help or just need more information uh, even though like you're saying uh you know, both of you are saying that there is 
that fear factor that's coming into it. The people want the the jump scares and, and things like that. How do we turn that again we kind of started this with you guys in the next generation how do we turn the conversation back toward more you know helping people getting information out there rather than the whole jump scare aspect uh well i think we need to uh start promoting that on a format that the new generation is paying attention to uh so youtube and tiktok i mean right now it's being it's being uh, I mean, the majority of that is is the thrill-seeking paranormal investigators, which we're which we're friends with a lot of them, and that's okay. If that's your thing, that's your that's okay. Uh, but bringing that into a a client's home is a totally different story because uh, that's just not the place place for that. Uh, so at least when what we do when we you know approach a situation on you know Facebook or TikTok or something like that, we always um, you know answer our questions like we're doing right now. And, um, and hopefully, uh, you know, it'll gain some traction if enough people start doing it. I mean, we have had some, um, some you know, investigators that are just starting out uh, come, come to us for advice. And we always encourage that. We're, we always have our inboxes open and things like that. And I think, I think you know, we just have to approach the new audience uh, in something that they're paying attention to. I mean, television is great. Uh, but the new audience right now seems to be paying attention to internet and streaming and, and apps and things like that. So, uh, so yeah. So I think I think that's that's the way we need to start broadcasting out. It's not going to happen overnight for sure. I think it's definitely going to take a long time for for sure. Um, but uh, I mean, nothing happens overnight. But I think if you're going to gain gain traction like that. Uh, that would be the, the way to do it, at least in my opinion. You know? And you said exactly what I was going to say. It's taken a lot of work. I mean, we've sat on on virtual platforms and, you know, messaged people even after doing live streams and such, and because they've been terrified because of the things they have seen online and the things that they grew up thinking. And, and we've had to sit with them and say, okay, tell us why you think this. We're not going to tear down your belief system 100% because we don't know what is out there. We don't know the answer. This is all just based off of theories. It would be ignorant of us to say we know the answer to everything so tell us why you think this and let us try to maybe figure out a way to calm you down about the situation come up with new theories with you that you may want to follow that kind of branch off from what you believe in some something that's more positive than what these this media is showing you now and it's, it's helped quite a few people right absolutely we've definitely had people that come into live streams and and i don't want to say we change their beliefs but definitely give them a different point of view uh, and you know, I, it's just, it's one drop into the, the cup of water, you know what I mean? But it all adds up over time, hopefully. And, uh, you know, the more we do that and, um, you know, maybe they'll go and tell some people, um, the more things will hopefully kind of shift in the, in the right direction, uh, that we need it to, to be in, you know? That's, Absolutely. that's very true. Um, cause I'm down here in the South, you know, the good old Bible belt, <laughs> you know, <laughs> anyway, um, this is part of my culture. Um, this is something everybody does down here. But um, I think, like you said, the YouTube and TikTok and all those kind of um, not celebrity type forums, you're, you're seeing the average person doing it now. And I think it's helping us more and more. Um, you know, maybe, you know, Mr. Million Dollar Celebrity is not the only one who can go and do this. You know, maybe Jane down the street can help you. And, you know, there's reasons I guess, <laughs> with communities that could do this. I mean, it doesn't have to be Mr. Celebrity. It could be anybody. Agreed. 100%. We've investigated with children. I mean, you know, we don't exactly, <laughs> we don't promote children investigating ourselves. That's just not what we do. But, you know, the younger, the teenagers, the, the, the kind of curious when they're starting to get into this topic, and um, they've kind of just kind of come on our path and they've they've asked us questions and been like can you stand with me can we do an evp session right now just where we are um and try to describe this to me and i think it's really helped us to kind of shed worry from the younger kids right. even you younger know, than us yeah. i know and I, I look at it from the point of view like when i had my experience i mean i was i was eight years old and you know i just wanted some somebody so bad to to talk to about um, investigating and you know uh, of course I you know with, with the TV shows that were coming out of course um, you know I knew that it was a thing that people did and I just wanted to talk to somebody who did that uh, and you know get their opinion on stuff and hold the equipment you know without spending thousands of dollars because obviously I didn't have that when I was eight or nine years old um, and I just wanted to 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 learn about it especially I mean even when I was about 15 or 16 
I just, you know, I started emailing all the different teams in my area. And, you know, it was just always one word answers, no, or no, you know, you're too young. And all I wanted to do, I mean, I know bringing a, a, a teenager into, you know, a client house or something like that is not, is, you know, I mean, we definitely wouldn't do that. Exactly. Um, That's but what just, I meant. just, you know, talking to them and, and, you know, just, just saying, listen, you know, if you have any questions, I'm here uh, to answer them. Uh, you know, if you want to look at a, you know, a recorder and see how it works or, you know, a night vision camera, a full spectrum camera, you want to know, you, you know, the ins and outs of it, um, then, you know, let's meet up sometime, you know, come to one of our, you know, library things or whatever, uh, and uh, we'll show you what's going on with it. Uh, just that out, 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 um, what's the word, word I'm looking for? Just that, that, um, that way uh, where people can, can reach out and, you um, and that that door, I guess, is the right word. That door that people can open and and uh, have somebody to answer their questions. You know what I mean? We want to be the people for these children and these younger generations that you know the gener our generation may not have had growing up, trying to learn about this safely. So that's what we're really trying to do. Anybody that may want more education on the subject, um, we'll give it our best shot. Is what we're saying. <laughs> yeah, you've taken the stigma out of it. Um... Because I grew up seeing, you know, the first thing I saw was my grandfather when he passed when I was seven. And wow. you know, shh, we didn't talk about that, you know. Um, you know but, <laughs> but when my mom died, my daughter was three. And I said, well, okay, you know, if you see grandma, let me know. Tell her I said, hey. And she goes, oh, I saw her yesterday. I'm like, well, why don't you tell me, you know? I mean, so, you know, it's very matter of fact with us now. Um, she still kind of go, mom does what? Um, but her friends are all having experiences and everything. And she's like, oh, yeah, my mom can take care of that for you. And, you know, so it's, it's just like, you know, I'm going to the grocery store now. It's, it's just a matter of fact. That's so good. I'm so <laughs> glad. It, and it's really great because these children are starting to open up, you know, at younger ages than we could have when we were younger because it was not a subject to be talked about. And now children can just go over and be like, I'm seeing great grandma in the next room and I want to figure out how to talk to her and have her talk to me back. And it's nice that they have those outlets now. It yeah. really is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. Because, like Victoria would say, when you know, she and I were kids. You know, I mean, they weren't even the television shows. You know, <laughs> there was no information. There's no internet. Um, and yeah, if you tried to talk to somebody, it was either you didn't talk about it, or you're kind of you know laughed at if you you believed in ghosts <laughs> or or whatever. Oh yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so that that's great that you know we have this now. Um, that that children that have these experiences, because my first significant experience was when I was about eight years old. So it seems like we all kind of have that in mm -hmm. common, um, but there's nobody to talk to. You know, my parents were like, you know, you just had a bad dream or whatever. Uh, um, did so they that, tell you it was your imagination all the time? Um, well, yeah, you know, that that's pretty much mm -hmm. what you got was it was your imagination or you've been yeah. watching too much Scooby-Doo. You know, <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> but um, so but at some point, because like, you know, you're probably not going to take a seven or eight year old on a on a paranormal investigation. Mm -hmm. you, you'll you'll talk to them and try to give them some answers and, and that sort of thing. Uh, but like my daughter, she investigated with me a little bit when she was 16. But where do you think is a good age for a you know young, interested adolescent to start investigating that you know it's you know not too young but they they're now gaining that interest where, where is about that age you think well uh, i think it depends on the situation uh and the location of course i think if if a, if a child is interested in this this type of field uh i think you know the first step is bringing them to uh to like the local legend tripping places that you know have these legends of hauntings and public places that you can go to uh, to investigate this type of thing. Um, Lighter know, things, yeah. supervision, lots of supervision. Absolutely, and, and usually if, if a child is interested in the investigation portion of it, uh, usually their parent or somebody these days is involved already in, in the field, um, and that's where they've learned it from uh, as far as the investigation portion of it. Uh, having experiences is, is you know a totally different point of view because usually they're either scared of it or they're interested in learning about what they had seen and not so much the investigation portion of it until they get older and, and figure out that, you know, this is something that people are doing. So definitely start out uh, with the, with, you know, the local places, because every state has uh, at least 10, you know, uh, at <laughs> least, um, and, uh, and check out those places. And, um, you know, and as they, as they get older and, you know, um, 
it seems like most most teams and stuff like that um, don't usually allow until you know young adult with supervision or you know 18, 18 or older old, yeah uh, thankfully you know when I was 17 16 17 I was able to find a group that was that was willing to teach me uh, about the equipment so and and you know and about investigating and how to do an EVP session and you know all of that stuff which I was extremely thankful for because like I said I had emailed at least you know five or six teams in the area and they all said no so um so definitely uh if you get to that age and you're and you're still interested in this type of thing reach out to uh, a team or somebody that's already established and has been doing it for a while has all of the gear or whatever and um so you don't have to purchase it and then you know six months down the road you're stuck with it and you don't want to do paranormal anymore and you don't know what to do with it and you've wasted all your money um so so go to people that have been doing this for a while and uh hopefully uh, well, just say, you know, listen, I don't want to be a part of your team right now. Just just show me the stuff. Just show me what to do. And, and you know, just, just give me some, uh, you know, words of advice and, and tell me what you do uh, on your investigations. Uh, and I, I think that, that that would work out well if, if you know, mo more teams did that. You know, I think if we were to just answer that question very bluntly, we'd say, you know, anything, you can talk about it. You can start bringing up the, the paranormal and, and really talking about beliefs and how it really, how it works um, at any age. At any age, you can talk about it. I think once you start getting into, you know, young adults, 17-ish with supervision, you can start to go to these, these locations, public locations at that teen age. Um, I don't really feel comfortable bringing like let's say anybody under 18 on a serious investigation with a client that may be dealing with something that they feel is negative um you know it's, it's a lot for somebody to take in their first time so i think maybe wait until they're an adult for those more you know serious investigations yeah you know one thing we're forgetting is it, you don't always have to do this at night um mm -hmm. because we have so <laughs> many experiences sure. here during the day and we've had things that happen i'll just look at my daughter and go hey well, that happened, didn't it? Yeah, and then it's like we're not running and screaming from the house or anything, but just acknowledge it happened and we move on. Mm -hmm. It depends. Some children are very mature. Some children oh, yeah. are very mature about this topic. So it really depends, like Cody said. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I like your idea of, you know, start them off with legend tripping um you know with with my parents it wasn't really so much legend tripping it was we were going to historic locations like gettysburg williamsburg all you know, stuff Great. like that so it was more of a historic tour but they had their little ghost stories there too um our friend uh ricky rocket who we had on uh some time ago he you watch his uh youtube channels he's taking his kids out on legend tripping all the time again kind of like you were saying during the day um is to a a lighter place that has some history and we're just checking out some of the story sort of thing so i i really like that advice um something i do want to kind of switch gears to here is um you guys have this uh, haunted museum and you have some of the objects back behind you uh, and i i do have one of the uh here we go so the tickets are on sale now for your the paranormal couples haunted museum the traveling exposition or exhibition i'm sorry uh so tell us about this haunted museum so yeah so the whole museum uh kind of started by accident i mean i was so the first thing that i was ever given was um this this large painting of of christ it belonged to um you know my mom's side of the family been passed down generation to generation it belonged to my great great-grandfather originated from Italy and um, you know grew up in a Catholic household so my grandparents were very uh, you know definitely paranormal was a touchy subject for sure and um, but there was this one story that yeah you know, my grandfather would always tell me about this this painting of Christ and he inherited from his his father and um, they would always pray to it every single night before bed and um, when my great-grandfather was on his deathbed um, you know, he was praying to this this painting of Christ and claimed that this painting kind of came alive and, and started talking to him and telling him that everything was going to be okay, because I guess he was scared to die. And this painting really kind of calmed him down. And, you know, he was okay after this whole experience. Uh, so, you know, they didn't call it paranormal, but they would always say this, you know, this very uh, spiritual experience that, that happened with this painting. And apparently, you know, my, my grandfather would always, you know, in his last days would always point up to it. And, and um, you know, it was just it, that story always stuck in the back of my head. So now I have the painting 
And that was really the first thing that I had. And I've always had an interest in, in you know, um, objects that have, you know, hold energy and, and uh, people report moving on their own and things like that. And um, so, you know, especially when, when Satori and myself, uh, when the whole uh, situation of the world started in 2020, the whole new life that we, we started dealing with, we really started pushing ourselves out on, on social media. And I had already uh, acquired a, a good amount of objects from different cases that, that, you know, TAPS had worked on or I had worked on or we had worked on. And uh, we were always the ones that were, you know, uh, you know, give it to Cody and Satori to take home if, if you guys don't want it. So we were always, you know, the ones that were picked to, to do that. And the, the, the collection just kind of grew. And then when social media started. Yeah, we, we started social media and we just kind of mentioned the collection and that what we do is we don't believe in destroying these objects because it may make matters worse. So if you need to absolutely get rid of this object, we always give advice first on how to coexist with this object in your home because we don't really want to take these things from you unless we feel you feel that you have to get rid of them. Um, we kind of <laughs> went out about that and talked about it and tried educating people. And a lot of people <laughs> came out of nowhere and they started sending us messages and we tried giving advice and they were like, like, no, I need to get rid of this right now, or I fear that if I destroy it, um, you know, it, it could make matters worse. So, you know, we, we started coming out and saying, all right, well, if you feel the need to get rid of this object and you feel that there's no other way out of this, we promise to take care of this. We will meet you somewhere, pay for shipping, anything we have to do. We want to take care of this object. And if you ever want it back, you have the right to take this object back. It, it, it's not ours. We let you be the owner of this object and we just take it off your hands so you feel safer in your own environment. So when people started sending us these objects, the collection really grew and now we have over 300 objects in this museum Wow! and um, some of the craziest things you could ever think of that people have somehow obtained has been given to us. We have cursed objects, objects from all different tribes around the world, um, objects supposedly used in religions that people did not know much about and they kind of dabbled in and they feared that that, you know, intention, that negative intention may be staying with them. We have lots of things. We do. We do. So we decided to um, after talking with other collectors in the area, and you know, we we become friends with a good majority of them around uh, the country. Uh, you know, they all encourage us to to you know kind of get this together and, and bring it to the public in a way. And uh, so we we created this 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 traveling exhibition uh, where it's about 150 of the objects from from the museum. It's a very immersive experience. You know, uh, each section has its kind of own scenes and and really uh, gets you involved in the story. If you're not really into haunted objects, uh, just the history that that is inside of uh, the the exhibits uh, is really amazing. And the stories, if you, if you're into you know spooky stories and things like that, just reading the stories uh, is really an interesting uh, interesting thing. And there's something for everybody if if you're interested at all in the in the supernatural topic itself. Uh, so this is going to be traveling to uh, different um, places, haunted locations around the country. Everything packs into a huge truck and uh, goes to different haunted locations. And then we set up the objects and their exhibits uh, inside of the location. And you can either just tour them. Uh, it's kind of like a big case study as well, because at every you know station, uh, we give you uh, a spot to write what you're feeling. And over time, we hope to uh, collect um, you know a good amount of, of people's uh, emotional opinions and see if there's a pattern over time. Maybe when somebody stands in front of a certain object, 90% uh, of people feel happy. You know what I mean? Uh, so so kind of doing this big case study and at the same time uh, sharing these people's stories because a majority of the objects we have belong to somebody who was alive. And we know the person that was, that it belonged to at one time. And it seems like they're just kind of checking in on that object after, after life. They're just kind of seeing where it is now and um, and just checking in on it. I mean, uh, we have, like Satori said, over 300 things and um, growing weekly. And, you know, we can probably count. And, and some of them are behind you right now, right? <laughs> they are. Some of them, yes. yes. <laughs> some of the ones that we don't necessarily, either we don't have to worry about possibly moving because they haven't, I'm trying to point to them in some time. Sometimes they'll play music. Um, we also have some objects that are in cases behind us because they're claimed to move and, and interact physically that we have even caught. Um, so we kind of keep them behind us in case anybody else sees these objects. We've, we've been known as, uh, I think the funniest thing, a foster home for haunted objects is one of the funniest <laughs> things that we have been called. I love it. <laughs> 
Oh, that's, that's fantastic. Cool. Yeah, we're going to have to go back through the footage later and see if anything has moved back there. Yeah, Maybe. Absolutely. Lots of voices, too. Lots of people get voices on our streams. Ooh. I was going to oh, ask you, do, do you ever get on planes with them, and do you have to declare, hey, I have haunted objects? <laughs> do they let you on? <laughs> no, we have never gotten on a plane with these haunted objects just because, you know, some of them have very negative claims, um, whether they have proven themselves or not. Some of them we don't even bring because their claims are supposedly very terrifying. Um, but we just don't really want to bring them on the plane anyway because, one, we fear how they may interact with people trying to put them on the plane. And, two, we also fear that maybe, you know, the energy will be off and, and we don't want to lose them. Right, <laughs> yeah, my, so my main priority is to make sure they don't get broken, you know what I mean? And if I bring them on a plane, they kind of <laughs> And how do you explain <laughs> to a spirit that you broke their object on the plane because somebody threw the, the bag? in the in the car yeah, you know what I mean? that's, that's why we got a truck <laughs> we got a truck <laughs> so, so you're not worried about crashing or anything it's just you don't want the bobbleheads broken exactly yeah <laughs> you don't want that yeah, i don't want okay. that <laughs> don't want mm. to crash <laughs> okay <laughs> so we have a good question down here from d santi do you think the haunted objects energy changes in your care like the entity or whatever feels comforted or understood and that's why they may behave themselves better with you Sure. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we definitely noticed that when you bring, um, well, first of all, when you bring a new, uh, an object into a new environment, we found that sometimes the, the claims of the object can change completely. Uh, you know, we have had some objects that we brought into the museum and every object that comes in kind of goes into its own quarantine period that we call it. It goes away from the rest of the objects and we just kind of observe it for a couple of weeks and see if it's living up to the claims that have been given to it. And, and slowly bring it here. Right, and slowly uh, put it into uh, the rest of the museum. And we found that sometimes, you know, an object won't act up at all. Uh, sometimes it takes a few weeks, a few months. We had an object that it didn't do anything uh, until about a year and a half later. Uh, but we've definitely noticed that they interact with each other. Um, uh, it seems like, I know, it sounds kind of crazy, but it seems like they all feel like, like you know, they're, they're kind of protected now because, you know, there was, uh, with most of these objects, there was a situation where they were going to get destroyed or, or broken or something like that or thrown away. And uh, it definitely seems like they interact with each other. We had one situation, one quick story, uh, where... We used to have this big wall of dolls because dolls is the thing that's in right now. Everybody thinks that people like the dolls. Yeah, right. Yeah. So we get a, We get a doll at least every other week uh, in, in the mail. And we used to have this big doll wall here. And um, probably, you know, we have a top 10 list of, of objects that have lived up to their claims. And one of them is is a doll. And, and we, we sit around the top shelf over here because we can't. Well, one, we can't really put her in a uh, con, you know a case because she somehow gets out of it. She's sounds crazy. But sounds absolutely we have crazy. Security <laughs> and everything, but and we thought we've captured clips of her moving. Um, but you know, we brought her in and put her on the shelf for the first time, and this whole wall of dolls was here, tons of dolls. And we leave the museum, come back, and all of the dolls' heads on this wall were turned away from that doll. Every single degree. Oh, wow. head on the wall was turned away. This happened three times because we fixed them and went up and came down and they kept switching. Like, happened, so we had to move I think them. two times, yeah. It happened two or three times. And, you know, we had to move the whole doll wall away uh, and kind of put this one, you know, in its own spot. Uh, because I, they definitely interact with each other. Because you know, they're, they're, they, most most cases with these objects, they were living people, and maybe they just don't get along with each other sometimes. And now, like I obviously state that not all the objects in our museum are haunted. I mean, we are one hundred percent sure about that. We've had objects that have never lived up to their claim, whether they have proven their claim to the owner, and maybe that spirit has stayed behind. We are not sure, but they are definitely not interacting in our museum, and we own up to that one hundred percent. But we do give this spiel every time that an object does come in, negative or not. I kind of put my foot down and say, all right, we're bringing you into our home, into our domain. You're allowed to interact with the objects here. You're allowed to come and go as you please. Don't cause havoc anywhere else. Um, you know, negative or not, I say we're giving you a chance to be protected. So we hope that if we respect you, you give us the same respect in return. And we just kind of give them this whole rule this whole rule book that we kind of throw and say, you know, if, if you can just please just stay kind to us and we respect you, respect us. That's all we ask. That's all we ask for. And it works. We, we've had objects that 
some of the claims are horrifying and we give the same spiel every time. There are objects, we have paintings that are supposedly, if you look at them, you're supposed to die because of a cursed spirit attached to it. And and I did the same thing there too. I, I looked at it and went, all right, we're putting our foot down. We're not doing any of this. And honestly, we have never had any negative interactions in, in our museum, which I am thankful for. Yeah. So there is a question down here, Mary. Hey, good. What is the strangest thing you have? So it's, it's going to be that doll, right? Uh, so yeah, that's definitely one of the strangest. Most ones. active. Um, I guess some of the strangest things too. We do have objects, and we do that have been given to us for energy reasons. They feel that there's some sort of energy attached to it that have been owned from you know serial killers or from situations of mass death. And we always say, we always say right after that, that we are not trying to promote or, you know, glorify these killers or anybody that has caused this mass death situation. But if anything, we will have an in memory of all the victims that were involved in this. And the only reason that we have taken these objects on is because they believe that there is some sort of energy manipulation going on around these objects. And there are theories that, you know, these objects do hold energy because of these situations. So those are some of the weirdest. We have pieces from, you know. Yeah, different uh, like doomsday cults, like uh, the Heaven's Gate cult and the Am Shinrikyo cult in, in Tokyo. Uh, those are probably strange because of the outrageous um, you know, things that, that these groups of people were doing and, and believed in. Um, but uh, yeah, those are definitely strange and definitely raise some eyebrows when, when people see them. Um, We've been given things from funeral homes. We have, you know, children's polio braces from the 1930s. Um, I think another really strange object is that we've been given is a toe tag that somebody had found in their front oh, wow. lawn after mowing their lawn that was supposed oh. to be on a body, but it apparently somehow got lost and ended up in their front yard. Um, from a possible flood that may have happened happened years prior where all the caskets got dislodged and started floating down the street, we believe is the only way that that could have ended up there. Um, just really strange things like that. <laughs> do you ever try and cleanse them or negate the energy or do you just take them and say, hey, you behave? Now, that is interesting. And a lot of people follow up with what is our religious belief. And we kind of say everything to that because um, there's so many different religions that believe the same thing overall. There's a good and evil, a place you go after death. So we are open to everything because, you know, why would we just assume that one answer is the right answer? And we also want to make sure everybody feels comfortable in our museum. So what we do is we have different things. We have crosses and prayer cards. We have sage and crystals, which is something I personally enjoy using, herb, uh, herbs and crystals and such like that. Um, we have a little bit of everything. And if somebody comes into our museum and tries to educate us about a new religion that they feel comfortable with having a piece of in, in the museum, we would do that 100%. Right. And, and you know, it's the same way with, with dealing with paranormal cases. I mean, everybody uh, that we deal with, um, you know, comes from a different background. And we've definitely done uh, cases that, you know, um, we have to respect the client's religions. And, you know, we, we whenever we come into that type of situation, we'd like to learn about, you know, the religion. And and thankfully, you know, we've, we've gained some great contacts with, with a lot of the primary religions in, in the United States. And we like to include all of that um, in the museum, as far as you know, binding an object or containing the energy, um, we both kind of have our own our own uh, ways of doing things. I we mean, put up walls, and, right. and we envision good energy, you know, absorbing the environment. That's something that we like to do also. Yeah. And we don't like, you know, <laughs> I think this is just personally to us because some museums love doing this. They love bringing in priests every week, which we 100% okay, yeah. respect. We love that. Um, it's just, I think we kind of believe that these objects come from everywhere. And personally, if we didn't believe in something 100%, why would we bring them into this museum? Because we're open to everything. And I kind of throw out the idea, who's to say that a priest of a certain religion coming in and blessing these objects would do anything to the African mask that was used in these rituals for deities? I mean, if there's a spirit attached to it, they may look at this and go, who's that man in a funny hat waving this cross? I don't understand any of this. So I think out of respect, we've just kind of done on their own thing. Yeah, yeah, we kind of do our own thing, and that's that's what that's that's what's worked. And if someday it doesn't work, then I guess we have to look at some some different options, you know. <laughs> Get a different room for that one. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. There you go. So let me ask you guys this, because um, you know, humans, 
many of us love to collect different things and sure. you know we've you know we've seen over the years you know the, the idea of of the haunted museum of course with the warrens uh john zaffis you guys are doing this now there are other collectors out there but you know i've seen you know just going through my instagram feed there are people just you know kind of random people out there that are you know starting their own collection sure. of haunted items or they've gone to abandoned places and taken objects that they may think have you know maybe it has some sort of energy to it what would be uh, what would be some advice that you would give to uh, new and inspiring collectors that want to put their own uh, little museum or collection together? One, I'd like to start off by saying I love that you brought up the Warrens and Zaffis and, and all these other collectors because there are so many collectors out there. We are not the first, we are not the only, and we want to make sure that everybody knows about that. Every, a lot of people collect. Um, just for new collectors, I guess just make my advice i don't know about you my advice would be know ever try to know as much as you can about you know how to care for these items physically and um you know make sure you have a proper environment for it and kind of know what you're getting yourself into collecting these objects it's it's uh i guess you could say i'd like to say it's kind of like a dirty job somebody's got to do it uh, just know what you're getting yourself into um, make sure that you understand how to protect yourself, how you feel comfortable in these situations. And you can't be afraid. You can't be afraid of these objects because at, if you are afraid of an object you bring into your home, that object is starting to own you. So make sure that you're ready to put your foot down to some of these objects. That's yeah. me. Oh yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head for sure. Um, definitely be careful what you wish for. I mean, um, it's not for everybody, uh, like Satori said. Um, and you know, if, if it is an avenue you want to explore, then absolutely go for it. I don't recommend, um, you know, purchasing a haunted object on, you know, eBay or something like that because, you know, most likely, um, you know, it's a scam or something like that. Trying to. But what if it comes with a certificate of authenticity? <laughs> you better give ten dollars more. Moving my bobblehead away. Okay. There you go. So, so you're basically paranormal parents. Is that what you're saying? Like, if you don't behave, I'm going to put you in timeout. <laughs> Are you doing? Yeah, well, yeah, and I guess there, okay. there have been situations that have been like that, believe it or not. We have had to separate them from the museum sometimes because there has been a little bit of havoc in, in the museum with certain objects. We've come down after putting a new object in and things are thrown around. We'll be sitting here on live streams and things will just fall off shelves and, and you'll see us look over there and go, stop it stop it and then you get up and put it back and it stops for the rest of the night. It sounds absolutely crazy, but we you are sound so crazy. <laughs> Do, do you have do you have cats there? I mean, you know, because it's the same energy, you know. Maybe <laughs> Sam goes Mary spirit. I think I have a spirit skunk. She does not. It's a cat. In, God, we fight about this on every live stream. He goes, "There's a spirit skunk in my house. There's some animal." <laughs> I'm like, "What do you mean? It's a cat. I've seen it. It's a literal cat." And he'll debate no, no, this to no. me until it has a tail death. Like that, a it bushy just, tail. A cat has a bushy. No, no. Okay, main. <laughs> hold on. <laughs> oh. We have, we have, let me look, soapbox. We have two ghost cats here. Um, and we have too many live cats here. Anyway, they have bushy tails. So it could be, hello. Yeah. It's not a skunk. It, you know, could thank be a, you. Thank you. It could be a Maine Coon. They're, they're huge. Oh, guy got hit outside and just had to wander. skunk walk into the, it's a cat. I'm thank, thank you, Victoria. It's a cat. Thank you very much. Welcome. We have triples here too. So like, there's always the old there's always the old Looney Tune cartoons in which you had the cat that ended <laughs> up with the painted stripe on it, and so Peppy Le Pew <laughs> thought she was a skunk. Maybe, oh yeah. but she was really a cat. It is a cat. It is one hundred percent a cat. <laughs> if it has attitude, it's a cat. It does. You know? Okay, it's a cat. <laughs> it is a cat. Okay. You know, because yeah. you know they'll judge you too. So watch out. <laughs> Oh, that's great. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, my God. So what do you guys, we only have a few minutes left in the show. Uh -huh. um, what, about six minutes here. So, you know, we'll give a few minutes here and let people talk about, you know, website, what you guys have coming up. I already put, and I'll put it up here again, the um, the traveling exhibition, uh, Basra, Connecticut. Am I saying that correctly? Yep. 17th, yep. 18th, and 19th. Yep, that's, and, that's the first stop there in, in Connecticut. It's about half the antique store that we we are kind of renovating into our museum for a weekend. Right, yes, yeah, that that uh, location was featured on a uh, episode of Ghost Nation that we did. 
and there's definitely activity there. And, you know, that's the first stop of the museum. Uh, we're doing a lot of events, especially in the fall for, you know, that are sponsored by different libraries um, around the country. And, you know, a lot of them are virtual, so you don't have to live in the area to attend uh, one of the presentations. You can live anywhere in the world. And if there's room on the sign-up sheet, you can sign up. Uh, just go to the website, paranormalcouple.com, and click at the events page, and all the events are listed. Uh, the next events that we have coming up is two events. We're working with the uh, Warren Museum. We're teaming up with them. They're going to bring a few of their objects. We're going to bring a few of our objects uh, to the Conjuring House in Rhode Island. We're going to do Ooh. that two weeks in a row. Nice. 18th of this month and the 25th of this month and i love it so much i'm so glad we get to work with other groups and collectors yep so uh th those are the next uh you know two events that are on the top of my head that are coming up uh but, but yeah all of our information is on the events tab of paranormalcouple.com right or uh, facebook uh, the paranormal couples haunted museum we're always updating that on uh, information. <laughs> if and you search up Paranormal Couple on anything, you will probably find us because it's the name we've been given on accident. So that's yeah. <laughs> 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 what works and what people are familiar with with you guys. So I got to ask you, okay, so you're teaming up with the Warren Museum. You're bringing objects to the Conjuring House, which is an absolutely fantastic location. With that in mind, what type of objects are you bringing to the Conjuring House? So uh, we're, we're definitely trying to uh, keep in the the theme of, of um, what the you know the, the whole event is about. So I think they're going to be doing a screening of, of the, the movie uh, that recently came out, the third Conjuring movie, and uh, they're bringing a couple. Uh, they're bringing the you know the dinosaur from the real case, I believe. Yeah, no, it's been it's been put out there, and um, and uh, and something else. I think a, a skull or something. I'm not really sure. Uh, so we're going to probably pick out some some of the more um, not darker or like necessarily super negative objects, just something that we feel may be fitting and may work together with that energy in the building. We don't really want to cause a stir of anything if we don't have to, um, but we're definitely looking over again. We have over 300 objects. We kind of have to sit there and go, will this one work? No, probably not. Maybe we'll have to do this one and kind of go through the whole. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, so yeah, something that fits into the theme of that for sure. And we definitely have some stuff to choose from. Uh, maybe something more from the you know ritualistic standpoint of things. Uh, not so much with the history of the house. We're trying. We're probably going to pick out something locally from that area uh, that we've that we've collected uh, because we always like to do that wherever we're going. Pick out something local uh, that we've collected, but something um, you know definitely uh, in the theme of the movie for sure. That sounds really so cool. <laughs> I gotta ask you. I know we only have a couple minutes left, but I gotta ask you: What do you guys think of the Conjuring House? I've I've been there only only once, but I thought it was absolutely amazing. But uh, what do you guys think? I, mean, I have my own theories as to what's going on there. Yeah, I, I it's definitely an interesting place. Uh, definitely holds energy, and like I said, I think that living energy uh, plays a huge role on the activity that happens there. I think the parents were that were that energy, and that that flipped that light switch on, and whatever happened to them. It may not ever happen again uh, because that energy, uh, the puzzle pieces just aren't fitting correctly for the location. Uh, there definitely still is energy there for sure, uh, whether it's with the land or just the amazing history that the whole property has in that area. Um, I definitely think that there could be some residual stuff. Uh, there's been reports of time slips and things like that We've happening. We've been there the a farmhouse. couple of times and had some interactions, but it was nothing negative on our end that we have interacted in that house with right yeah I, i've never experienced anything negative there uh but there definitely is a feeling when you go to that house and um it's definitely a place that we've you know thankfully frequented and uh and every time we go there it kind of feels a little, little bit different uh depending on the type of day or the season that you're there um and the world knowing about it has yeah. even opened up the energy more. And I think more people going through this house has kind of made more energy. Yes, I definitely well, I definitely think there's something there. I'll just that <laughs> for sure. What do you think, Mike? Well, I think, it, I, and I covered this in my, my docuseries, The Shadow Dimension, but I think that well room, if you think about the way it's constructed you have an open well with water in it this the walls are made of limestone and they're capped with granite blocks so it's a perfect little power play and some of the uh bigger pieces of activity that happened in that house are basically straight up from that well room the parlor and then uh, andrew's old room at the top of the house i mean you just yeah. you can you know it's like a pillar of energy right there and this is right, a vortex. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, I never thought of right. that. Because I think Andrea and Roger's bedroom is right above the well, too, isn't it? That's a really good theory, though. I like, like that's a really good idea. Now that I'm thinking about it, all the activity was in that. Pill- See, you just blew my mind. You just blew my <laughs> mind for 30 seconds. Now my mind is completely blown. <laughs> Uh, well, we're going to have to end on that. So. <laughs> Thank you but for one that. more time. <laughs> sure. <laughs> one more time. Uh, your website is paranormalcouple.com, and people can get the uh, tickets for the traveling exhibition there. Yes? That's right. Yes. Yep. And more dates okay. coming uh, around the country. So, yeah. Fantastic. Well, I hope I'm able to run into you guys one of these days. I'm sure it'll happen. Cool. We'd love that. I hope so. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us this evening, Satori and Cody. We'll definitely have to have you back. It was a fantastic uh, conversation speaking with you guys. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Come to Texas. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Bring it all to Texas. (laughs) I can't leave. You know, there's boundaries. Yeah. All right. We'll come to you. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. All right. You guys have a good night. Good night.